All right. Hey, for anybody who came in a little bit late, uh, there should have been a packet, a booklet, I guess you could call it, of folded pages in your seat or a seat near you. Uh, if you're having trouble seeing a screen this morning, all of the relevant information that you need, lyrics for songs or uh, the names of those being baptized this morning, the names of the children who were dedicated, all that information can be found inside that booklet. So feel free to grab one. We also have a fair number of seats open on the front rows. I know normally in church people don't really want to sit on the front row, but it's the best seat in the house this morning. So feel free to move if you need to. And just in general, as we move into baptisms here, if where you're sitting doesn't give you a good line of sight, we worked really hard to try to make sure that every chair on the floor had a good angle on the baptismal. But if yours doesn't, feel free to move around. Uh, come up and grab one of these open seats. You can go to the balcony and stand if you'd like to, if it helps you see better. When we get to the baptisms themselves, we're going to be using our live stream camera so that if you cannot see the face of the person speaking, they will be up on one of the screens as well. So hopefully that doesn't trip you out. There's a lot of options on places to look. Hopefully wherever you're looking, you'll be able to see the people being baptized. Uh, as we get ready to do baptisms, Mike, if you don't mind coming and helping me, uh, we're going to pull the cover off this thing because it's hard to get in the water if we don't. Um, I want to talk to you about what baptism is and what it's not. Um, this morning we'll have three baptisms. And I think this is going to be a really beautiful picture of what the local church can be. Uh, our first baptism this morning will be Pauline Rogers. Pauline uh, is, yeah, you can clap for Pauline. That's right. There you go. Okay, moment of truth. Let's see. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's not, uh, that doesn't match the weather outside. That's a good thing. Okay, so Pauline will come. Uh, I have the privilege of baptizing her this morning. And then when she's done, our second baptism will be Derek Eisenhall, and his wife, Jada, is going to be doing his baptism this morning. Uh, and then our last baptism today will be Peyton Boone, and Peyton will be baptized. Yes, you can clap for her, too, if you want to. Uh, Peyton will be baptized by one of uh, her teachers from her Sunday morning kids' class. You'll get to hear some of that story as to the role that that person played. I think especially if you serve in children's ministry here at True North, you're going to be very encouraged today to hear what kind of impact you can make and how God might use your time. So before we get to Pauline to kick things off, I want to remind you what baptism is for and what it's not. I don't ever want to assume that all of us come from the same background, the same tribe, the same kind of church. So I want to just lay out for you what we're going to do this morning and why, so that hopefully you'll be able to understand and participate in what's going on on stage. We believe at True North Church that baptism is a visible representation of an invisible act of mercy between a person and the living God. So I want to be very clear. This water isn't magic. We didn't have to have a priest come in and bless it. It's just water from the tap. This is a picture. This is a symbol. This is a representation that's supposed to help us understand something that can be really hard to understand, something that can be hard to see visibly. God gives us this picture for that reason. When each of these three people are submerged in water today, they are trying by doing so to tell us that they believe that they have died to their dead, sinful self. When they are pulled back up out of the water, that will be a picture to each of us of how Jesus gave them new life and has already pulled them out of the grave. Again, we're not, we don't have to wait till the moment where they come up out of the water to assume that they are a saved, born-again believer in Jesus Christ. That's already happened. This is just a picture and a way to go public. Now, in that way, the person being baptized is making a statement. They're doing this publicly on purpose to say something to each of us about their life. They're showing us in physical terms what Jesus has already done for them spiritually. But the rest of us get to participate as well. This isn't just a show for us. This is supposed to be one of the best reminders that we have of the miracle that God did when he saved each of us who have called on his name for salvation. We are reminded viscerally that this is at the core of what Jesus came to do, to seek 
and save the lost. When we see the person being baptized go under the water, we not only understand that they have died to their own sin, but we are reminded that Jesus himself has died and that he went first in that death for all of us. And then when the baptized believer comes up out of the water, we don't just celebrate because they have been saved or because we're proud of them. Those are good things. But we also celebrate because Jesus came back to life and he purchased our salvation with his death. Baptism is not a ritual and it's not only a symbol, it's also a sacrament or what some of us would call an ordinance, meaning that baptism tells us about God's character. It communicates to us the mystery of his love displayed through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is the Bible's version of what you and I might know as a sinner's prayer. It is the original altar call. It is the original moment of decision. Whereas you and I might walk down a long aisle of chairs on a Sunday morning, a first century believer in Jesus would have stepped forward from a crowd gathered on the banks of a river or the shore of a sea, and they would raise their hand and they would say, Jesus has saved me too, and I am also ready to go public. Baptism is for that reason a one-way street. It's our moment of public confession of faith in Jesus. It's our moment of identification with his death and burial and resurrection. And in baptism, we commit to follow Jesus, but also to renounce sin, to renounce ourselves, and to renounce Satan, along with all of his works and empty promises. Baptism affirms the power of Christ's resurrection in us and the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So don't just take my word for it. God gives us a beautiful picture of baptism, and this comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 8. So you can turn your attention to any screen, and we'll read this great story. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, one of the apostles, he said, Get up and go south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is in Egypt. This is a desert road. So he got up and he went. And there on the way, he met an Ethiopian man who was a eunuch, a court official of Candace, at the time queen of the Ethiopians. He was in charge of all of her treasury. He had come up to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning home, sitting in his chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah. Remember, at this point in the story, there is no New Testament yet. So this man's looking at the Old Testament scriptures of what is to him the Jewish faith. That's why he went to Jerusalem, was to worship at the temple. This is what he was, or he, and he was confused. So the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. Philip ran up to the chariot. So that's not like a lot of our evangelism experiences. We're not running alongside a moving car. I need to talk to you about Jesus. But that's what he did. And he heard the man reading Isaiah out loud to himself. And so he asked the man, he said, do you understand what you're reading? Which is a pretty bold question. And the man said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And so he invited Philip to come up into the chariot and to sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that the man was reading out loud was this passage from Isaiah, that he was led like a sheep to slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, justice was taken from him. Who can describe his posterity for his life was taken away from the earth. And we know that this is prophecy from the book of Isaiah about the coming Messiah, a Messiah who Philip knew personally. So the eunuch said to Philip, please tell me, who is the prophet saying this about? Is he speaking about himself or someone else? And so Philip began speaking and beginning with this scripture, proclaimed the good news, what we call the gospel about Jesus to him. Now, as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said to Philip, look, there is water. What is to stop me from being baptized? This is the eunuch's moment where he's saying, I'm ready to go public, even if it's just you and me, Philip, here on the side of the road. Let's do this thing. So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him there. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him anymore, but went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing. Rejoicing because baptism is a joyful experience. This should not be overly somber today. This is a day that we celebrate people entering into God's kingdom forever. 
There's no better news for those of us who follow Jesus. And we, like the Ethiopian man, we experience physically what Jesus already did for us spiritually when we are baptized. The waters of baptism did not save the Ethiopian man, just like they won't save anybody who gets in them today. His heart was made alive as Philip explained the scriptures to him. But baptism was the step he needed to take to worship and obey the Jesus that he already loved. So we say today that baptism is intimate, but it's also corporate. It's deeply meaningful, but it is at best still just a picture of Jesus' sacrifice. And it is both an act of obedience and worship that we share together. So with that said, let's do it. If you guys need to move around, you're free to do that. Pauline, the time has come. baptized as an infant and publicly professed my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was a teenager. Looking back at my relationship with God, my Father, through Jesus Christ, I realized that a major way my faith and relationship has grown has been through the times that God answered my prayers with what I thought was a no. Well, God, excuse me. While God has been so faithful in answering all my prayers, it has been through looking back at those times that he's said what I thought was no, that has increased my reliance and my trust in him. And I'm going to describe a couple of ways that I see that happening. One way that God answered no was, you know, I have a better plan for you. Not the way you want it to be. I didn't always see this plan at the time, had lots of questions, but looking back, this plan has always been good. The second way is no, but I'll be with you, and I'll comfort you during this, during this journey. I really cherish the closeness of God during these trials. And lastly, probably the hardest for me was no, but keep praying. I've been blessed to see some of those prayers answered after many years of praying, and some of them I'm still praying for. And I may never see those answers in this lifetime, but someday I will. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall fully know, know fully, even as I am fully known. Because God fully knows me. I put my complete trust in him and my full confidence, because he saved me by grace through faith in Christ alone. Gotcha. Make sure we keep those close by. 
Reese, it's your job to make sure I don't step on those, okay? Thank you. <laughs> yes, please. If you can sit. Yep, but where I you are. Just, that's great. Sit. Okay, no problem. Take your time, Polly. No, I'm fine. Take your time. Okay, Mike, will you set that on the floor for us just so it's out of the way? Thank you. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. That means we don't have to go too far, right? <laughs> okay. Well, church, you heard our sister's testimony. Full trust in God. Jesus as her Lord and Savior. So you've heard her story. She's experienced it, and now we get to see it together. Pauline, if you don't mind crossing your arms for me. It is my great joy to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You have died to your sins in Christ Jesus, and you have been raised as a new creation to walk in new life. We're here to meet us. guys. That where my dad's side was Jewish and my mom's side was Catholic. Um, I definitely had the sense that God and his spirit were very real and I didn't really know what to make of it. Both sides were really smart and they all had pretty convincing arguments most of the time for what they believed in. Um, and I was always taught that through a mix of obedience and faith that something good will come and I didn't necessarily know where that would lead me at the time when I was younger. And the more questions I had, the more I had questions just kind of added up on each other. And through all the things I learned, I started to naturally know my sinful nature and imperfection that I had throughout the years. Um, so over the last few years, my faith journey has really brought me to connect the dots between the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah to come and the New Testament descriptions of who Jesus was and his life, death, and resurrection. Over these last few, few years, as I started to connect these dots, I really, I started to disagree with a lot of the arguments I had heard from my Jewish family about the insecurities that they had about Jesus. Um, so especially considering things like the Book of Mark, where you see his power was good, his power was of God. Um, he was feared by the demons, and um, he was able to forgive the sins of those who would come before him. For who else can forgive the sins unless they are of God? And throughout this time, it started to make sense that he really was part of the Trinity. Um, I don't think he could necessarily be separated at all. Um, so, yeah, so since uh, living in Alaska the last couple of years, um, 
so I really found this new faith in Jesus as the Messiah that was prophesied all these years and everything. And with my newfound uh, faith in Jesus, um, you know, so I really do see my natural sinful nature and imperfection. Um, yeah, he's you know, the one that saves the souls and everything like that. And I see him as someone who would save my soul in there. And yeah, so it's inspired me to follow Jesus as the one who can save my soul as one of the sheep and hoping to live my best life. Yeah, and I can absolutely say that all of that is true. I've known Derek for five years now. We've been married for almost two. Um, and he has absolutely become and continues to grow into the godly husband that I've always hoped for. And it's with great honor that he asked me to baptize him today. So with that, So I had the pleasure of meeting with Derek uh, to, in pre preparation for this. As elders, we always try to make at least one point of one-on-one -on -one contact with anybody who's going to be baptized. And Derek has such a unique background and testimony uh, that in some ways it's so different. His coming to Christ has, has walked such a different road from most of us who've grown up evangelical. You know, for Derek, it wasn't a, uh, a VBS prayer or, uh, man, I reached this point of, of wickedness and crisis in my own life and didn't know what to do, and so I just gave in. Derek has this unique perspective because of his uh, Hebrew background that he actually sees Jesus as a fulfillment of all of the Old Testament and the way that he was raised. And so if you have an opportunity later, uh, you guys are good. You can go get dry and we appreciate you. I don't want to put you on the spot. But later when he's dry and in dry clothes, uh, just try to spend some time with this young family and, and hear the unique way that God actually used the Old Testament almost by itself uh, to lead Derek to a need for a Messiah and then meeting Jesus personally. It's a pretty amazing story. So our final baptism this morning will be Peyton Boone. Peyton, come on up. And Nick, wherever you're sitting, you can come and get ready to get a little bit damp. Yep, come on up. Peyton, I am 12 years old. I've been at the church for about four years. It was somewhere before the shutdown. But before that, I was in the wrong household to be serving Jesus because I was being forced to, and it was wrong. You should never feel forced to serve Jesus. My relationship with Jesus is very new. I got out of that unhealthy relationship when I was around seven. Only asked Jesus to be my life, October 8, 2022, at Fall Retreat. At first, it was different and difficult to follow Jesus because there were kids at school who would bully me for my beliefs, but I'm here right now. Two months later, I told my aunt, I want to get baptized. So I filled out a connect card, and about three weeks later, because Pastor Philip was as busy as a bee, 
we had finally sat down and we talked. Pastor Philip explained the details and beliefs about baptism. I also joined the baptism class. After the class was over, I spent a week of deciding and praying to Jesus Christ, and he pointed me in, direct, in the direction of getting baptized. So the next week, I talked to Mike O, and he hooked me up with a date and other stuff to prepare me for this special event of baptism. I got to pick who I wanted to baptize me, and I chose Nick Chapel. Nick brought me back to the beginning of rethinking what a healthy relationship with Christ looked like, and he broke down the basics and made it make sense. It is okay to not be perfect, because God is so forgiving, God is so righteous, I don't feel so locked up and shameful to not be perfect. This brought me to going out of kids' ministry, so sad, because I miss spending time with the teachers. But joining student ministry brought me to Father Tree and then led me to Sawyer Mangum, who helped me make that drive to follow Christ. I'm so grateful for Christ for bringing me to Alaska and to True North Church because he has put so many people in my life to help me in my journey of following him. My aunt and uncle, Audrey and Josh Preston, teachers like Nick Chaplin, my best friend, Marna Hurley, Josh and Sawyer Mangum from student ministry who are sadly moving to Washington's, Washington State, and for all the other youth group leaders, and for my mom, because she takes care of me and keeps me healthy. All right. Hello, church. I'm going to try not to embarrass her too much. So I've gotten to know Peyton from the fourth and fifth grade uh, class where my wife and I teach. Uh, and like I said, I promise not to embarrass you too much, but there were two classes that give excellent testament to this day. One Sunday, we were teaching through a lesson on forgiveness. The lesson included conflict resolution and Christ-like approach to bullying. We were asking each student to share what they would do in different situations. When we came to Peyton, Peyton was asked what she would do if someone was physically bullying her. She said, as loud and proud as you would expect Peyton to say, I would grab my bat. They don't prep you for this in the lesson, let me just be honest with you. <laughs> but it was at that moment that we knew this girl was going to be on fire for Christ. <laughs> Sometime later, we were learning through lessons on genuine relationships with the Lord, to see him as a father and a friend. We were talking about what kind of a, of a father God is, his love, his patience, his faithfulness. We talked about how he would never leave his children, he would never forsake them, always working through their good. And about halfway through the lesson, I noticed Peyton crying. This lesson was more real to her than those before. At this point, Megan pulled her to the side so that they could pray, and I pressed on. But these two moments show who Peyton is. She has been in this world, a world where you must defend yourself furiously. It is a coarse and a rough place. But the second time, that was the side of Peyton she protected. She let her wall down, and she showed the Lord the place she needed him most. As is evident today, God does not waste those moments. He does not waste our vulnerability. That is where he shows his strength and the shelter of his arm. Peyton, as you go forth in the call to make disciples, as Jesus, according to his promise, will never leave you or forsake you, and I am sure your bat will be there too, may the Lord never be less real tomorrow than he is today. May he never be more, less real today than he was that day in class. I give testament today to Peyton's declaration of faith.
Nick is right. God wastes no moments, including this one. I'm not here to put a lot of pressure on any of you in the room, but I want you to understand that if you're having a similar experience to the Ethiopian man that we read about in Acts, and there's a part of your heart that would say, here's water, what prevents me from being baptized? That we want to meet with you, we want to talk to you, we want to pray with you, and we want to begin that journey with you as soon as we can. Our vision, now that we've moved into this space, and now that we've mostly pulled off a Baptism Sunday, I think it's safe to say this worked pretty well, is to do this once a quarter. So we're looking forward to the month of July for our next Baptism Sunday, and we would really love the opportunity as elders, as pastors in your life, to meet with you and talk with you about taking this step of obedience and sharing what Jesus has done uniquely between you and him in your own life. I want to leave you with one short reading of scripture today. And then I'll pray for us, and we'll finish in song this morning. But I would remind you what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And this is the truth for anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord. He says, we have been buried with Jesus through baptism into death in order, this is the reason, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God our Father, so too we may live a new life. New life. That's what this is about. That's what Jesus would offer any who would come to him. So let's pray again. Thank God for what we've seen. Worship him for the goodness of the way he works in our lives. And then we'll finish in song this morning. Father, we come to you again, acknowledging your presence in our midst and thanking you for these stories. Yes, God, they are emotional, but more than that, they are eternal. That's the thing that just pricks my heart right at its center, that these men and women are going to be with us forever. We live in such a transient place, God. Even now, we are within a few months of saying goodbye to many people who have been meaningful in the life of this church across the last two or three years, and that's okay. It's a goodbye for now. It's not a goodbye forever. Father, we know today, even for our youth minister and his family, God, the Mangums, that they prepare to depart tomorrow, that there is a sense of us being eternally bound as we gather around these waters and remember that this is what it's all about, you King Jesus, our Savior, the one who has loved us longest and most and best. And so I pray, God, that you would rally our hearts, rally our minds and our souls to the goodness of your gospel and make us a people who have no better news to tell than that Jesus can save any sinner, anytime, anywhere. Father, we love you and we trust you and we are deeply thankful for the chance to participate in something as meaningful as these baptisms today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.